0: Hello, everybody. and Welcome to the Grill Nation show with Jason Grill. Thanks for listening today uh, to the podcast. We're listening on podcast networks. We're on all of them. If you're watching today on my social media, we greatly appreciate it up on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, or if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you for watching this. We have another great episode today. I'm very excited about it. i uh, like to welcome back to the show Alan Ferris who is the Senior Vice President of Landmark National Bank. Their website is banklandmark.com. Alan, how are you today?
1: Excellent, Jason. It's nice to join you again.
0: It's nice to be back with you, man. How have you been?
1: Pretty darn good. You know, it's a fun time to be in Kansas City with the Jayhawks advancing to the Final Four. Uh, We've got a major presence in Lawrence, and our guest is from Lawrence today. So uh, there's a KU flavor to it.
0: As a uh, Missourian, I'll have to I'll have to be okay with that today, huh?
1: <laughs> Born and raised, I'm, I'm in a Missouri. regional
0: guy. I'm, I'm I've become a regional guy now. You know that, Alan. Kansas City, Amen, Kansas brother. City is where I live. But uh, whatever's good for the economy is is fine by me. Um, so, uh, Alan Ferris, again, who are we going to be having on today? Before we kind of get into some bank updates, who's going to be joining us?
1: The, Mike Logan is the owner of a number of live music venues uh, and event venues in Lawrence, Kansas, uh, mostly known for the Granada Theater, which is kind of a regional destination. Uh, and it's interesting to hear Mike's story about the pandemic and COVID and how they're recovering and also how the state of Kansas really kind of helped them with Mike's leadership to recognize that these live music venues are really a huge part of the economy in this part of the
0: world. Mhm. The website is thegranada.com. granada.com. Uh, Mike Logan is our guest. He's also a, you know, just a consummate business person. We'll get into some of his other dealings as well in Lawrence, but he's engaged in a lot of different uh, you know, business aspects. Hopefully we'll learn from him on you know, some of the lessons he's learned, some of the growth issues he's had, and you know, kind of kind of dive into how this industry really works. And then obviously, as you talked about, talk about some of the pandemic issues that that, that were faced as well and how they're how they're kind of pivoting and coming out of that on the show today. Again, the website is thegranada.com. Um, Alan, let's talk about you and bank uh, landmark national bank, banklandmark.com. What what are some updates you wanted to share? Are you guys you guys are such a good uh, you know? update on you know, current events, current issues, current trends that you're seeing because you work with so many business owners, so many entrepreneurs, so many people who are engaged in our community. What, what are you seeing out there and what is happening right now?
1: Well, you know, the, the bank continues to do really well and our, our commercial loan totals continue to grow and we've got good volume. You know, the, two topics that you hear on a regular basis Number one, every business is struggling trying to attract and keep good people. Uh, I, I yet to hear a business, regardless of what the industry is, that says, oh, you know, we're, we're completely full of employees. And that includes the bank. We've got open positions for a range of, of careers, whether it's a teller, whether it's you know, uh, operations, whatever it might be, and that's true almost statewide, but particularly here in Kansas City, where the the need is greatest uh, and the competition is greatest.
0: The you're seeing issues, that too. You're seeing that too with um, other industries as well, and a lot of your clients, oh, their customers. It,
1: it, it makes no difference whether you're talking healthcare, whether you're talking service, whether you're talking construction wholesale manufacturing it just is across the board and it's just a reoccurring thing you know i I'd, I'd, I'd like to go to one meeting with a customer or prospect and have them say "Nope, you know we we've solved the uh, the problem and we know exactly how to attract people yeah and i've yet to find somebody who can say that i'm, I'm sure they're out there i just haven't met them yet
0: good time to be a uh, a job seeker i guess or a uh a person who's a free agent, maybe. I mean, I guess everyone's a free agent these days and when it comes to uh, comes to life, as far as jobs, it seems like, you know, sure. there's always, people are, are really kind of demanding more these days as far as pay and, you know, flexibility. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully the that turns resi- around.
1: Yeah. The great resignation is a true thing.
0: Yeah. So. What other issue are you facing? I know you, you mentioned uh, one briefly to me off, off, off the air.
1: Well, you know, th- I think everybody is mindful of interest rates at this point in time. We saw the Fed for the first time in a number of years increase rates slightly earlier this month. Uh, You know, so that was a a 25, uh, a quarter percent increase. Uh, Feds made it pretty clear there's going to be at least three, maybe four more increases. So, you know, rates probably by year end are going to be up a one percent, maybe point and a quarter. Um, that would put prime at four to four and a quarter, maybe 450. But that's still significant below the pre-COVID uh, levels. So rates are continue to be historically low, even with uh, some increases uh, being planned for in the next few months.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been seeing that, you know, I, my mortgage came up this month for, you know, it's been a year and it, you know, I got it under three for my 30 year. And then I looked, I looked today and there was like 5% now or four or 5%. So it's definitely, a, you know, the interest rates are, are going up across the board in different markets and different sectors.
1: True. there they're, But rates are still at historically low levels. So we're not seeing the interest rate impacting loan volume at this moment in time.
0: Hmm. Well, that's positive. Yeah, you're right. We got to look at the long term and kind of look back at the historics as well. Alan Ferris is with us, Senior Vice President of Landmark National Bank. The website, again, is banklandmark.com. Alan, let's uh, let's bring on our guest here, um, Mike Logan. Bring him up here on the stream. I'm going to change my background there. How are you, Mike?
2: I'm good. Thanks for having me.
0: Great to have you. Now, where are we, where are we hearing from you? Are you in Lawrence today?
2: I'm in Lawrence today. Yeah, I'm actually at uh, Abe and Jake's Landing, my office here, uh, uh, right on the river, right on the Carr River.
0: What are things like in Lawrence right now with the Jayhawks? Everybody's walking, the
2: everybody's walking on their tippy toes. You know, I always say if, if the Jayhawks can, uh, can get to the second weekend, uh, you know, you get a lot of smiles on your face uh, at downtown. But making it to the Final Four is a big deal. Um, uh, for everyone's mood, but also for the, the sales tax coffers in Lawrence. I don't care what you sell, what widget it is, or, or what, what, uh, what food or, or beverage you sell, you're going to sell more this weekend. Um, every hotel in Lawrence is sold out, Airbnbs Whoa. are spoken for. Um, you know, with four Blue Bloods in the final four uh, this weekend. Ticket prices are higher than ever down in New Orleans. Travel is is tight. So I there's a lot of people uh, in the Kansas City area making a pilgrimage over to Lawrence uh, uh, to to catch a place to watch a game.
0: Let me ask you this before we get into your background. Like, what does that day look like for you on Saturday? You know, the games are what, like five o'clock or four o'clock, I think?
2: Game what yeah, games like five oh nine. Um I'll be downtown at about six thirty uh, a.m. I've got uh, Uh, Between all of our places, we have six watch parties. Uh, uh, My events venue is hosting a a large watch party. Uh, My music venues are hosting watch parties. And um, we turn into a big sports bar for a day or eight hours, and that's okay. Uh, We'll embrace it. Uh, As big a music fan as I am, I'm I'm a huge Jayhawk fan as well. Um. So we'll embrace that. And uh, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, I'll knock on something here. That, uh, we can do it again on Monday if they can get a win on Saturday.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool and, and exciting for you and your companies and, and businesses and everyone in Lawrence. Tell us about your background, Mike. I mean, how'd you get into this? What's your journey look like? Uh, very interested to know because uh, you've obviously been in this industry for a while.
2: Sure. Um, well, I'm a, I'm a Lawrence Lawrence kid. My family moved to Lawrence uh, oh just before junior high, and uh, uh, they actually moved when I graduated high school uh, to Florida, and I stayed here and went to KU and um, cut my teeth uh, working uh, uh, basically 40-hour weeks uh, when I was in college here, um, most notably at the Eldridge Hotel here in downtown Lawrence. I was uh, a <laughs> I was a bellman and uh, room service, uh, banquet, front desk, uh, ballet, you name it. Um, But it's where anytime I get a chance to go, you know, talk or speak in front of someone, it's where I I found my my hustle. You know, I, I, you know, working at a a boutique independent hotel um, in the hospitality industry. I had offers when I was there in college. Um, from folks who would come in, visit, we'd have an encounter, you know, wanting me to go work elsewhere in the hospitality industry. I looked at transferring to K State University or, or UNLV for hospitality yeah. programs. And I, thankfully, I, I, I didn't end up doing that um, based on how my journey went post there. But um, the hospitality industry, that's something I got into when I was, you know, 16 or 17 years old. And I, haven't found uh, a, a, a reason to get out of it. You know, Even COVID made me think, right? You know, COVID made me think about it hard. Uh, I do have a lot of eggs in one basket. I do. I am I'm heavily invested in dollars and time in the hospitality industry um, here in Lawrence. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it. And uh, we're still standing um, and, and hopefully looking forward to a fruitful uh, weekend and month of business. Mm-hmm.
0: What are your different business ventures? Uh, Take us through those in Lawrence before we get to the Granada.
2: Sure, sure. Um, I have Abe and Jake's Landing, um, which is a private event space, 18,000 square feet. Uh, A building was built as a barbed wire factory in um, 1884, operated as a paper mill, corrugated cardboard warehouse, sat vacant for a long time. And I actually started working uh, here uh, in college um, 2001 to 2006, post college, uh, ended up buying uh, the space in 2012, and uh, it's my it's my uh, you know private event, civic event, not every nonprofit um, fundraiser you can think of that we can host, beer and wine expos. Um, it's situated right on the river next to a, a, a Marriott brand hotel, um, and it's it's definitely um, a one of a kind. Um, space here in Lawrence. I've got uh, the Granada Theater, which I uh, this is 20 years this year that I've owned the Granada, which is crazy to me. Uh, <laughs> uh, 2002, I became a partner in the Granada, and then I bought out my partners in uh, 2003. And I was two years out of college, and Alan, Alan may or may not appreciate the 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 story of me financing the the Granada purchase uh, initially. I You know, I I bought half of it on contract, which is is how you get things done when you're young and don't have any money, but a ton of energy. Um, And and the second portion, we went out and got an SBA loan. I I got an SBA loan when I was 23 years old with not a whole lot of money in the bank, um, but that's pretty great.
0: That's pretty cool that that happened.
2: Yeah. And a banker who believed in me, you know, and and that's and, and, and that's what it is, you know, in banking. It's about relationships. It's about trust. And it's about, um, you know, being able to, it, you know, you can sell it, but you got to deliver on it. And so I learned that very, very early um, with that space. Um, and then since that point, um, I've added Lucia, which is a small um, restaurant bar in live music venue, which is right next door um, to the Granada. Uh, the bottleneck, which is a storied music venue, um, t- 2020 was to be 35 years of live music at the bottleneck. It it survived its life longer than the notable cl- the CBGBs in New York. You name it; um, these these storied clubs. It has a history um, nationally that really can't be touched. And the opportunity came up to um, purchase that space in 2019. Now. Timing um, in hindsight, I bought it in the fall of 2019, and then the world stopped spinning in March of 2020. Um, so it was, uh, uh, but it was an opportunity that uh, that I couldn't say no to. And uh, for me, it helped coalesce um, and make sure that live music was happening um, in my spaces and in these spaces for in in downtown Lawrence. For as long as I'm around, and hopefully whoever I pass the torch to at some point um, is, is really interested in, in the purpose of those buildings and those businesses hosting live music for a long time. Aside from that, I've got a little pocket bar, neighborhood bar called Rick's Place at Nathan, Illinois. Um, I lived in the neighborhood for a long time. It's the kind of place with a shuffleboard and a pool table and 13 bar stools and just you know. Uh, place you can walk to, and uh, it is the least intensive uh, from my time. But it's it's one of the places that I enjoy the most for uh, just just getting people together for uh, uh, afternoon meeting.
0: Hmm. When did you decide to uh, do more than the Granada? What year was that? That you? What was the year that you actually did more than the Granada? Because that had to be a big decision for you in step with such a you know storied event space uh, or you know music venue. Um,
2: well, the the first time I, I jumped out of the Granada and added two was in two thousand six. I actually opened uh, a music venue in Iowa City, Iowa.
0: And oh, you left you left Lawrence, and it's something I,
2: I left Lawrence, but but it was uh, you know travel to. I tell you what I learned in that project. I ended up selling the project about four years later because I, I found myself needing to be in Lawrence more often. And, and the things that were so special to me about owning a business with an impact, whether culturally or economically in Lawrence, were what I was missing um, uh, trying to operate uh, a venue in a city I didn't live in. The, the The comforts that I had in Lawrence, I didn't enjoy there. And, and, and most of that was how um, we tried to intertwine Um, our local small business in this downtown district into what's going on in the community. I didn't have the bandwidth without living, eating, breathing in the city I lived in. Um, And it's just, you know, some of that's just nature. That's me. I think there's others who can find success in that. And certainly um, understanding again, the bandwidth available um, from a small business owner, Um, you have to be able to, uh, and I was young. I was, you know, early early 20s, 25, uh, 26 years old when, when that was working. And I, I didn't understand um, the value in um, um, uh, strategic partnership um, and also I didn't have a, a, a management training program um, that I could lean on that was refined. And so, you know, I, I take that one as a loss. I still have the sign uh, from the bu- from the building. I, when I sold it, they changed the name. And so I took the sign with me. It's a reminder for me. It hangs in my, in my garage, actually. It's a reminder for me of, uh, you know, where I was at that point in time and the lessons that I learned from it. Um, so that was the first time I jumped out. And then I really just honed in and, and really um, wanted to make sure that, um, the Granada was, um, uh, just, just humming like it should. I, I did do a, a, have a consulting company, so I would do festival work and some outside booking, corporate booking and things like that. But my, my brick and mortar was the Granada theater downtown. And, um, what makes and- that
0: place so special to you, Mike? And we're talking to Mike Logan, who's the managing partner of the Granada and the history and the background of that building and that venue. What, what is that? What does that mean to you, and and why has that kind of been the the, well, the number one?
2: You know, it uh, music venues, um, the arts, right? For a community like ours, or or in you know, and just scale to larger communities, uh, are a defining characteristic of of the place that we live in. And um, you know, when I was younger, I would talk. I would talk your ear off about the the first of three bands that you need to get there at seven thirty you know, to see. And, and I was I was jazz on on um, the the music the music component, right? And I, I I geek out on that and I enjoy that. I think as I've um, as I grew um, in, in, in as a business owner in this community, um, you have to um, I, I was able to start articulating the impact of live music in Lawrence, Kansas from an economic standpoint. I'll give you a few stats to to maybe illustrate that. Um, When I sell tickets to a a show at, at, let's say at the Granada, um, 52% of those on average of ticket sales come from outside of Lawrence or Douglas County. Those are outside (laughs) dollars. Those are dollars being spent in Lawrence that, that weren't there. Now, if you go to a show, you're probably gonna meet friends for dinner or drinks um, If you're traveling, you may stay in a hotel, you're gonna get breakfast in the morning, you're going to get gas on the way out of town and you start quantifying the, the overall economic impact of what uh, live music uh, is and, and does for the community. And, and some of those things that were, were um, very well understood and we, we, we'll get to this a little later are, are what um, uh, our industry ha- had to lean on and project, through covid to our counties and the state of kansas and from a national standpoint and so i i think um you know my my focus here and, and, and the other things i'm involved in um on the uh, downtown um, business district board the tourism board um you know the things that i spend my my time on all revolve around telling the story of what um, the arts or culture means from an economic standpoint and from a cultural standpoint and a placemaking and um, defining, um, you know, p- people want to uh, start their business, keep their business, or bring their business to places they want to live and enjoy. And it may, you know, it's we're we're proud of the fact that um, what we do is a is a part of the why. And mm-hmm. so being able to illustrate and, and discuss that is, is really important
0: to us. Mm-hmm. Alan, you jump know, in here whenever you'd like, my yeah. friend.
1: Jason, what's amazing in, in getting to know Mike is the extent of the live music scene in this area, Lawrence, Kansas City, uh, and the number of venues. And the as Mike was indicating, the sheer economic impact of those venues that may not have been known uh until the pandemic and you know mike you might talk a second about you know what you were able to do with the state of kansas to kind of get them to understand that impact and why they should be supporting this industry uh better today than they were a few years ago Mm
0: -hmm. that's a great question
2: yeah um we um uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of me's out there. In, independent venue owner, right? And typically, small business, independent venue. Um, you're you're very aware of competition, and you keep things close to the vest. The pandemic made us us independent venue owners um, open up a, a, a line of communication almost immediately. We were the first to to close. You can't do a live show halfway. Uh, you can't do the, the economics of a show don't allow for a half capacity or a 20 percent capacity or, you know, certainly the, the, the zero capacity. We were the first to close. And for many venues were the last last to have the opportunity to open in, in, in a full uh, format. Um, we were able to um, create um, an, uh, the Kansas Venue Coalition. So that's myself, um, Alex Thomas owner of the Cotillion in Wichita, Kansas, Storied Venue. Uh, Adam Hartke uh, with The Wave in Wichita. Chris Fritz, who owns Sandstone or Azura Amphitheater, as you know now. Um, and Josh Hunt from Mammoth Productions, which is the single largest concert producer in the state of Kansas. And myself created the Kansas Venue Coalition. And then we we solicited um, all the independent venues um, in Kansas. And not all participated, but we had about 27, um, venues from Manhattan and Dodge City and Hatchison and, and you name it um, all the way from uh, the replay lounge in Lawrence that holds 150 people up to to the amphitheater that holds 18,000 people and we were able to put our numbers together and um, and, and create a, uh, a a presentation we had um, an advocate um, at the time was the um, Uh, head of the Department of Commerce, David Toland, uh, here in Kansas. He's now the uh, vice governor. And he was um, crucial to our industry into listening to our our presentation and then setting up opportunities or pointing us in the right direction of um, state officials to have conversations with. We were able to create a carve out in the CARES funds that traveled from Fed to um, Kansas, and uh, state of Kansas had a spark program, and actually the Kansas Vineyard Coalition helped administer and evaluate um, that program, which allowed some relief in mid 2020. That um, and and I, I describe this as a as Lily as a lily pad, right? Our industry at zero, we needed we needed help to get across the pond, to get back to open. And the state of Kansas allowed um, uh, that lily pad, right? We were able to jump and, and keep ourselves afloat uh, in mid 2020. And at the same time, all of us independent venues in Kansas and in every other state quickly formed the National Independent Venue Association, NEVA, and got um, some wonderful support um, from, um Uh, both sides of the aisle, and ultimately, um, there was a a package put together called Save Our Stages that was uh, finally approved December 27th of 2020, um, and administered in, uh, was to be April, I think it ended up being closer to June of 2021, that allowed some relief funds to come down to performance venues, and this is everything from Music venues like mine, to Radio City Music Hall, um, to the Wiltern, to you name it, across the country. Some federal funds that flowed down to help um, backfill. um, um, You know, uh, we're mounting um, debt and bills associated with with these venues, um, and allowed for some um, payroll backfill and things like that. That just allowed us to get to the point of reopening, and so so crucial.
0: It's amazing. I mean, it, 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 it had you not maybe created that a coalition or that association and had the advocacy awareness to get engaged and build those relationships, you know, you might never have had that. I mean, it just goes to show you that you got to you got to get engaged when there's stuff that faces your industry. I, I I think that's just a huge success. I liked your lily pad example as well. Um, so we're, we're over that pad now or we've, we've crossed it, I hope. What? Where are you now with with everything coming out of COVID and what's next? I mean, are you still coming well, out of it? I'm assuming you are.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, um, you know, part of that, part of the presentation was, um, you know, it, and, and for the numbers, it was over $400 million annually in economic in, impact generated by the members of the Kansas Vino Coalition. And that's an important number. Um, Kansas, from a tourism standpoint, um, uh, is considered fishing, hunting, gaming, right? And I think there is this wonderful cultural component in Kansas, um, largely concentrated in Northeast down to South, but certainly across the state that um, it is important. And, and I think we were able to have conversations across the state that, that elevated the importance of, of these cultural components in how Kansas markets itself moving forward post, post-COVID. So I think that um, it has opened a, a number of conversations and opportunities. The Kansas Venue Coalition has uh, kind of a standing 60-day uh, conversation with the governor's office about our industry, where we're at, where we wanna go, what are the opportunities um, that our industry, not just this year, but in three years or five years, how are we, how are we um, creating defining uh, events Festivals, um, venue creation. How are we um, possibly optimizing the use of our state parks um, for some of these things? So it, it opened up a line of communication that I think for our industry is going to allow for future growth um, and in creative energy I- into what we do. Personally, the fall of twenty twenty one, we we booked. You know, things opened up quite a bit in June of twenty twenty one, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no shortage of uh, bands who, who want to tour, right? So we booked the calendar pretty pretty heavy in the fall. August, um, COVID numbers kind of flared. Um, we ended up moving, I'll say 40 or 50% of our shows, postponing later on in the year and then um, into, into 2022. Um, we probably had 30 to 40% of our shows play off in the fall. Um, certainly not where where we need to be, um, but uh, we were able to keep our heads above water this fall. So that is that is um, uh, where we were in the fall in 2022. I will have what I finally feel like is a true um, a true back to business month in April of 2022. I, I you know if, if everything holds, I feel yeah. like. We will be back volume wise where we were in November of, or, you know, or February of 2020.
0: That's great. Mike, well, I mean, Logan Mike. is with us, who is the uh, managing partner of the Granada and also uh, owns many places you've probably heard of uh, in the Lawrence area. I have a quick question about just kind of the process. Like, I mean, how do you get these acts or how does it work when an act wants to come to Lawrence or how do you, what's your, what's your, you know, process looks like you I mean you just to get people to come that are big names or up-and-coming names how does that negotiation work
2: sure well um uh, because obviously is- there's
0: a lot of cities out there i mean you know as well as i do there's a lot of oh. college towns and there's a lot of culturally cool like artsy mm-hmm. i mean i went to school at law school at mizzou and they have the blue note there i think it's still there sure. um, oh yeah I saw a oh, couple yeah. shows there you know while i was in school and then there's just so much competition how, how do you how do you you know keep a you know, on, in tune to who, who you need to have, or how does that process work?
2: Well, like with banking, it's, it's relationships, you know, it's relationships with the agents. Now some agencies who represent these bands have eight bands and some have 8,000 bands, right? You know, so it, it's relationship <laughs> with the agent. It's um, uh, our reputation, the venue's reputation, the, the, the talent buyer or the promoter who's working on on booking the show's reputation uh, for the room and, and uh, you know, the place that we are. Now, um, I love the Blue Note and they're kind of a sister venue to us in Columbia. Columbia is a little different than Lawrence and sometimes a band, um, when traveling from east to west, um, only has 30 dates and it's going to be either or, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going to play Columbia or Lawrence or Omaha or Lawrence or Wichita or, Mo- you know, so... Um, sometimes it's just a logistics and they'll um, hit you on the way back. But generally, um, Lawrence, the, the venue's uh, reputation, um, uh, downtown Lawrence's reputation is a, is a plus. Being a college community is a plus. When I started this in this business 20 years ago, Kansas City didn't have one-tenth of the venues. Kansas City was really a dormant market. Kansas City's um, just in the last 10 years had a number of venues percolate and, and, wonderful venues. You know, I think Kansas city has grown. You've seen all the growth in, in downtown area, the crossroads area. Um, and so there is more, even more competition for what we do in Lawrence in Kansas city. And, and uh, or, you know, sometimes Lawrence used to get uh, every play and now it may be every other play. Um, but there's the beautiful thing is music. So accessible. You hop on, you're finding a new band every day and there's no shortage of, of bands who, who have a platform and an opportunity, certainly for some of the streaming services where bands can go from zero to, to large venues um, pretty quickly. And so there's an inventory out there um, and it's our job. We're um you're kind of playing the stock market, right? You're try, you're trying to buy high and, 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 and or on the way up, right? And and make calculated risks when we book things. And if you like like, we can get into some of the specifics of show uh, deals and how those are um, put together. Um, but but generally, um, you know, it's it's very relationship based, and uh, um, you know, Lawrence has had a long history, and we hope to keep it that way.
1: Mike, you might also do, one uh, of the exciting things about your industry and what you've been able to do is the sheer numbers of local talent that you have been able to showcase and really kick off some really wonderful careers uh, that started here and in the number of wonderful acts and musicians that are around this area.
2: Oh sure. Well, Lawrence, Lawrence, and um, Kansas City for for a long time have, have been known as incubators for bands, and it's wonderful when a band that that um, starts in, in in our region and then is able to tour nationally and internationally. And and uh, most of them are very proud of where they came from, where they started, and uh, so when you see them out playing um, large festivals and touring um, across the country. Uh, but they're, but they're, and make sure that they, they represent where they come from. We've had an opportunity to be a part of, of so many bands in, in the venues. And in, in Lawrence in particular, we have, and I mentioned earlier, we have, we have venues that hold 75, 150, 250, Bottleneck at 450, Granada, Liberty Hall. Um, so we have, we have this vertical. Of music venues in Lawrence that um, other communities really um, salivate over because they just don't have that opportunity to grow a band from a three dollar cover charge and and 10 p.m. start up to you know a, a, a mid range ticket or even then um, you know some higher tickets and higher levels of production. We have the opportunity, and that's not just local but national. Um, band comes through. the The White Stripes played the Replay Lounge, um, which holds 150 people. The first time they came through the market, right? Granada hosted a Post Malone, he's a pop popular hip hop star uh, in 2016, um, and then two years later, he sold 18,000 tickets in Kansas City. You know, we have we have a lot of those stories where they played. You've had,
0: you've the- had John Mayer, you've had you've had Weezer, I think I Ben Folds Five. You know, oh yeah, uh, Flaming Lips. I mean, mm-hmm. the list goes on and on. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins back in the day uh oh, yeah. creed i mean you had a, you've had so many i mean the list goes on and on with actual like people that you know every uh, that are household names at this point
2: yeah and this it predates me but but uh bottleneck had um radiohead and sublime the, first, the Foo Fighters first tour was, was at uh, the bottleneck. You know, there's, there's a million of those stories and we like to tell those stories, but that that's the, in the club, the clubs, the, the, the gritty music venues is where bands get their start and where agents, agents know how to, to, to make them road, uh, worthy, um, working through the club network. And we're lucky, um, for the bottleneck in Granada here in Lawrence to be part of that national circuit. And, uh, you know, but it is um, maintaining the relationship in and, and the hospitality side of it. It always comes back to the hospitality side. When artists come to town and their crew come to town, um, we, we have to take care of, them. you know, most shows we have a, uh, a production staff who is a runner who's really um, taking care of the band for the day, whether it's it's rides to and fro, shopping, um, and just being kind of the concierge for um, that artist on that specific day in our community.
0: Mm -hmm. what um what was the most impactful moment so far uh that you've had at the granada for the uh for the business and you know maybe for yourself your favorite moment
2: oh wow like from a show
0: was there one one, like boom moment where you're like wow this is so cool this is amazing this is happening right now uh
2: you know probably early on in 2003 2004 uh Uh, from the the indie music scene was so strong. And we would have weeks where we'd have, you know, three, four, five, six shows a week. And the thing that keeps it, um, keeps it fresh for me is that um, these venues are merely vessels for um, artistic talent, right? Um, I would have these weeks where I'd have a monster independent, uh, like an indie band. Uh, I'd have a bluegrass show, a hip hop show, a death metal show, a punk show, you know, and 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 it, and just a little one week snapshot. And depending on what time of day and what night of the week you drove by, you'd go, "What the hell is going on here?" Because it's it's a different set of people who who have a a attachment, an emotional attachment to these artists, and that for me keeps it special. So, it, it the the variety um that um a venue uh, like ours are able to uh, maintain um I, that, that to me is is the most special part
0: mm-hmm. what's cool about you is mike that i've noticed mike logan a managing partner of the Granada, Is i can tell you're still very passionate about music entertainment and it's you've been in this industry for so long but it's it's fascinating and awesome to see that you're uh, you know, it's, it's not only a business, it's a lifestyle. It's something you really care about. And you obviously have, have, have really done a good job of communicating that with policymakers and, and leaders and, and, you know, Topeka and, and throughout Kansas. Um, sure. But I think that's really important. And it just, it definitely exudes out of you. That's for sure.
2: Oh, thank you. Well, thank you. If you would have caught me like mid 2020, I'm a little more <laughs> off, but uh, yeah, we're, we're, um, we're excited about what we do. There's a lot of energy. Um, you know, we employ, I think some of the fun stats that I share when I get an opportunity to speak about our industry. Um, you know, every band that comes through one of our venues, you know, they have a a predetermined, um, catering budget or per diem, right. And my largest, uh, month that, that I, I can recall at the Granada, I think we had 17 or 18 shows in the month. And, uh, catering budget so these are dollars that i hand a touring band total for the month fourteen thousand six hundred dollars that we just turn around and hand and what do they do with those dollars they go down to the record store they go to the restaurant they go and it's so it's just immediate economic impact turning right around it in, and in, in the hope is and where we point is to our our friends and neighbors in our district our the small small retailers you know i am I'm in the hospitality industry, but I'm such a champion for small independent retail. I think it's so important to have a mix of, of hospitality and retail um, in our district. And uh, so we strive for that and point people certainly in the right direction.
0: Would you say your biggest risk in your career was the Iowa city endeavor or was that, were you just too young at that time? What, what, if, if not that what, what has been one of the risks that you you've taken as a business owner that you've, that you, that you've done or you've learned from?
2: Um, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, you know, adding, adding a second, a second entree to my plate, uh, when I was in, in when I was maybe too young to know better certainly was a risk. Um, I would tell you, bringing on um, uh, to the point now, and, and it's just um, you know creating a vertical integration um, and bringing on the bottleneck and um, uh, the the other uh, uh, tertiary uh, uh, businesses is being able to um, have the, the the willingness to to seek. Um, uh, consultant help on how to build a, a, a system, and uh, you know I'm I'm a I'm like a, a small business development center success story. Right, when I was when I bought the Granada, I went to my local SBDC, and you know I sat there like a um, like a sponge, and said, "Hey, what do I need to do?" And um, you know the one thing, and I, I I tell this to everyone who talks to me about um, starting a, a small business, independently owned business, is find a good accountant and bookkeeper <laughs> fine i you talk to me i could talk like this to anybody right i love if i'm passionate about it, i'll get going and i'd love to be on the big idea side but i need um i need that x's and o's um counterpoint some people have that in a partner or in a partnership opportunity i found mine in my um bookkeeper and cpa um, able to keep me, um, you know. The truth is in the numbers. Always, I can be as passionate about it, whatever it is, but um, making sure you're paying attention to the, it's, it's certainly in the hospitality industry where the margins are so slim. Um, and uh, and so anyway, that's my that's my best piece of advice for small small business owners. It's
0: great advice, Alan. What would you say as far as um, you know? You're you at the bank working with a, a business owner. Um, like Mike in this industry, I know, as far as the bank working with him, uh, what's that been like? And then, obviously, you know, what are your thoughts and considerations about the entertainment and, and, you know, concert venue type, you know, industries?
1: Well, as Mike's identifying, hospitality is a tough business. Uh, And those who succeed are the ones that, what Mike used the term sponge, Uh, That look to partner with a number of people. So they usually have got a strong bank that works with them. They've got a strong accountant that works with them. They've usually got a good attorney that works with them. But what makes it most successful is when the owner is willing to listen to be the sponge to say, hey, you know what? I'm really looking for partnerships and partnerships mean tell me what I don't know. Tell me how to grow. Uh, but what should I be focusing on? And that's Mike, Mm -hmm. Mike listens and wants to learn. And that's the one common trait. I think to the most successful small business owners.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. As we wind down, I want to ask some quick questions to, to Mike. Uh, Mike, um, mm-hmm. we kind of just talked about your best advice and you know what you learned. If you weren't doing this, what would you be doing in your life?
2: Oh my goodness! Because uh, you, you
0: you staple right now in this community and in, in, in the the entertainment world. Awesome that's talent. a
2: that's a good uh, that's a great question. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, I I I do. Um, I have, a, I have a, an affection for uh, design, uh, residential design. Um, I actually at some point flirted with looking um, into um, uh, renewable energies. And I have, I have friends who are in California who have utility scale projects, solar projects and wind projects. That, that really interests me. I think those are, um, if I wasn't in the hospitality industry, I may venture uh, that way. Um, but, um, you know, I, it's hard for me to think, uh, especially as I've kind of layered the, the different um, facets of, of hospitality. And I've got two or three other, uh, and, I'm, and unfortunately or fortunately, uh, uh, projects that are, are, are percolating that are in the hospitality industry. Um, so if, if we were to, if we were to uh, you know, chat a year from now, there may be uh, a whole nother conversation. Um, but all you're always
0: you're, you're always evolving. You're growing.
2: Yeah. Well, and it's it's uh, and and if you have some level of success in the hospitality industry, you certainly have um, you have uh, others reaching out for um, potential opportunities, which is. Which is wonderful, I think um, what I have to be uh, always paying attention to um, is, is available bandwidth. And if I'm gonna do, you know, if I'm going to get involved in something, I wanna make sure that it, it, it has it my full attention. And, um, you know, sometimes you can you can get real hungry and and and, and move too fast and, and then you miss steps. And so um, I'm always um, interested, but I also like that work-life balance, right? Like hospitality industry, if it's one restaurant, one restaurant, um, that can eat up 110% of your time. And so without a great team and without the right people in place, it's impossible to have uh, multiples, um, certainly in the hospitality industry and in a number of other industries. So paying attention to that available time is, is certainly important to me.
0: Do you miss that or do you like the fact that you're doing all these things at once? Because I... You just said 110 or ten percent at one restaurant. Um, mm-hmm. Now it seems like you've got five, six, maybe even more stuff happening. Like you know, how, how, it's just you have a great team, huh? Is that is that what it comes down? You have to you have to, you you have to
2: invest you have to invest in your people. Um, you have to invest in in their time. Um, have a path for them to grow with you um, in your companies, and um, I think that's what I've. If anything, I you know when I was in my mid twenties, I thought I was Superman, right? Take it, take it, take it. And that's no one Superman. You have to, you have to um, be very strategic about the way you think about your time and, and plan a a vertical, um, you know, with, with a very strong, strong base. Um, and so that's where I've I've spent a lot of my time and I've been fortunate to have uh, amazing partners I have partners in several of my projects who all bring value and are at the table um, in, in a lot of these conversations so it is um, uh, it, it, you know it, it, it has to work right uh, and so we're I've been fortunate I'll tell you that I've been very, very, I feel very fortunate to be in the position we are, to still be um, here standing post-COVID. And uh, my hope is that our, our energy and my team's energy and my partner's energy are all focused on um, you know future growth, smart growth um, in, in the industry that we're in.
0: A couple more minutes here with Mike Logan, who's the managing partner of the Granada and Alan Ferris, Senior Vice President of Landmark National Bank. Um, how many concerts do you think you've been to in your life? And what was maybe one or two of your favorites?
2: Uh, tens of thousands. Probably. I, I can't even imagine. Uh, Hopefully your hearing ones. still there, Mike. What's
0: that? Hopefully your hearing is still there.
2: Yes, uh, <laughs> my wife. She'll probably say no uh, or selectively. Well, okay, so my, my, my first concert, I'll tell you my first concert. Uh, my parents, who are... Uh, live, I, I learned the love of live music from from my dad. I used listening to records at insane uh, decibels when I was a young child. Uh, they took me to uh, Sandstone. I was eight years old to see uh, Bon Jovi with oh. Skid Row, "Slippery When Wet" tour. This is <laughs> 1988. I wish I still had the T-shirt. An amazing show, right? I was eight years old, and uh, that was the first big, like, amphitheater show that I I I saw. And I I like had the album, I had the whole thing. Um, Other shows that have just been amazing um, for me. uh, Pick one at the Granada. uh, The band The Killers played the Granada. You know, huge pop. Pop band. Um, I saw John Mayer. We actually paid John Mayer, you mentioned this, $200. Um, booked him at Abe and Jake's in 2002. Um, we booked The Roots in 2003 uh, and was one of my top shows. Like, you know, around anniversary times, we come up with our top shows and it always ends up in my top five shows. Um, but outside, I, you know, I recently, like pre COVID, I went and saw uh, My Morning Jacket at Red Rocks, which is, you know, a holy grail. Uh, outdoor venue um, so those are some of my favorites i'm sure there's hundreds and hundreds more
0: isn't that cool just to look back out and say like you know we had john Mayer at avon jake's for a couple hundred bucks back in the old days
2: oh you yeah know? maroon five I, I paid maroon five like a hundred a hundred bucks in beer a couple of the first couple of times they played you know and just there's a there's a ton of those examples of bands and but it it speaks to how bands tour and when they um when they start they're playing through the clubs you know they're they're getting on the road they're getting in front of bodies and that and that's where um, i think certainly our venues will always have a place in the the growth of bands even though music's accessible digitally you know the who's next playlist and you name it the bands still have to get their feet wet on the road and we hope that that the venues that we have are are always a part of that that accept uh, um as they as they keep moving that we're we're one of their first plays
0: mm-hmm. well Mike congratulations on all your success uh, the website is thegranada.com. alan Ferris uh, landmark national Bank thank you so much for joining us for co- uh, collaborating with the uh, grill nation show and introducing us to Mike today um, your website is banklandmark.com appreciate all your time today guys
2: yeah thanks Always for having a pleasure. Me.
0: You guys are doing a great job. It's exciting. I kind of want to go out to a concert now this weekend or maybe next you, weekend. The you, weather's you burning, you know, like it's a great time.
2: Absolutely. You you just let me know. We'll, we'll host you up here in Lawrence. All right, Jason? i love,
0: I love to. Thank you so much, great. Mike.
2: Thanks, guys. Have a good day.
0: Thank you. And I want to thank all our listeners for joining the Grill Nation show today. As always, you can connect with me on social media uh, at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation show. Also on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Jason Grill. Uh, All of our shows, again, are up on uh, podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher. Also, you can watch the Grill Nation show with Jason Grill on YouTube. And finally, um, if you'd like to be on the show or you want to uh, collaborate or partner, just look uh, for my email, which is grillnationshow at gmail.com. That's grillnationshow at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And hopefully, we can have more great guests on like Mike. Mike was a heck of a guest. I really enjoyed that show today. Again, thank Alan Ferris. Great, great guy. Great bank. Banklandmark.com is the website. I want to thank all those for listening and watching today. And we will see you again soon. And uh, congrats to Mike Logan again from the Granada on all his success. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.